It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who in light light them up boys there's your picture drop the shadow out of sight. this is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw yes Stone's Throw and today I have a terrific deal for you Oh, dear. Oh, it's all overwhelming, people. Today, of course, the first thing we do is we mourn the loss of Coretta King. Um, my generation is going, The those of us, let's see, Coretta is 78. And uh, I was thinking, the other day I was talking to a young person and I realized that they weren't aware that Martin King died when he was, wasn't even 40. I mean, he was 39 years old when he was assassinated. And he was born in 1929. Yes, the men of my generation. I came along in 1933. But in any case, there are less and less people um, from those times. And, of course, history is beginning to... Kind of, kind of melt on us, synthesize. It's important to go back and read, study, study, uh, study history, learn your place in time, try to remember what really happened. Yes, reality is, uh, difficult to get hold of these days. Uh, I was thinking of Coretta King and the women of my time last night when they, uh, confirmed the new dude on the Supreme Court. Justice uh, Alito, what a, what a travesty, what a travesty. And of course, he's on there for, well, if not a generation, maybe more than a generation, actually. Well, we never can tell. Uh, accidents happen, but it's, it's so hard to get people to take it seriously. People make such a fuss about who's president when, of course, that is a fairly short term, eight years at most, whereas uh, this guy's on the Supreme Court, at least for my lifetime, and probably, probably, yes, could be 50 years with, with a stretch. In any case, uh, I got to thinking, you know, the methods we used back in the 70s, I was reading a biography of Simone de Beauvoir, the woman who wrote The Second Sex, how that kind of, uh, what is it, uh, kind of set off the women's movement, the 1970s. And back in 1970, uh, Simone de Beauvoir was concerned about the issue of abortion. <laughs> 35, 36 years ago, folks, I thought we dealt with this. Um, her lover, Jean-Paul Sartre, of course, was plunged into Maoism, but Simone de Beauvoir was concerned. 
She was into the first women's liberation groups in France at the summer 1970 when abortion was still illegal in Catholic France. Uh, some women got in touch with Simone de Beauvoir suggesting a manifesto in which well-known women would declare they had had an abortion. She said, oh, excellent idea, right? Okay, so the women activists met in her apartment and they organized the campaign and... Uh, Oh, yes, uh, Simone's manner was frank to the point of brutality. She treated everyone as an equal, listened carefully, blah, blah, blah. Okay, she is at this point a veteran, an older woman. Uh, the campaign was a triumph due in large measure to her influence. They managed to collect 343 signatures. The manifesto of the 343 was published in April 1971. Uh, okay, the statement was brief. It was, every year a million women in France undergo abortions, and though the procedure was is simple under medical supervision, their abortions are dangerous because they are clandestine. The women declared that each of them had aborted. Uh, in this biography, we learn that in actual fact, many of them, including Simone de Beauvoir, never had. The signatories demanded the right to free contraception and to safe and legal abortion. Okay, this goes on to state the signatories, um, the ones that I recognize, of course, would be Marguerite Duras. You remember Marguerite uh, Hiroshima Mon Amour, she wrote. Um, and, of course, I recognize the actresses, uh, Catherine Deneuve, Jean Moreau, uh, Simone Signoret, all of those folks, and a long list of women from the Sartre Beauvoir circle and other scholars, writers, this sort of thing. This manifesto caused a major scandal. For the first time, the taboo word abortion was actually pronounced on French radio and television. The women were very pleased with this. Conservatives referred to them as the 400... Uh, wait a minute, the 343 sluts. <laughs> yes. The other day, someone was yes, talking about the women's movement, and they said, oh, are you, one, are you a nut or a slut? Yes. Anyway, these women set the wheels in motion... And four years later, in 1975, abortion would become legal in France. Okay. The same time here in this country, we have Roe versus Wade. I think that's 73. Never mind, uh, as I just got through saying, we thought that this was blood under the bridge. Old business. But as we see now, we are going to have to go back to square one. And I have to laugh thinking... How useless those methods used in 1970 would be today. Uh, I'm sure we could get uh, 343 American women to sign a petition for all the good it would do. Um, so interesting. I like to wear my little button that says, if you don't believe in abortion, don't have one. It's so hard to get people to understand the, the principle involved, the principle of freedom freedom of choice uh i'm always muttering i i uh, said i myself have never had an abortion because well i had a what is it ob gyn disaster in my 20s i was very ill and 
was all I could do to have my two children. And uh, I suffered a uh, major surgery, hysterectomy at 28, I think. So never having need for an abortion, I am one of those who still recognizes that uh, this is an essential reproductive right. And, of course, it goes along with the whole uh, the whole anti-woman atmosphere. Uh, patriarchal culture demands that women be brought under control, you know. If, uh, if women are allowed to have free choice, why then uh, they're playing God, and we can't have that. Never mind. I've already used up minutes and minutes of my time, and today, today it's very important to support KPFA, to raise some money. And so I went out and I found a book that I thought just might get us some subscriptions here at KPFA. And I got a book uh, called The Norton Anthology of Children's Literature. This goes with my theory about breast reading, yes. <laughs> this book is not really for children because it's a Norton Anthology. And it's got rather thin pages basically for teachers and for parents. You know, you go through this and then you can pick the books you really like and go out and get cardboard copies for your kids to tear up. But anyway, this is a huge uh, anthology, 2,500 pages long. 2,500 pages. The Norton Anthology of Children's Literature. You don't need to know the editors. There's a whole long list of editors if you need them. To look it up on the uh, net, it's Jack Zipes, Z-I-P-E-S, and the last names are Paul, P-A-U-L, Valoni, V-A-L-L-O-N-E, Hunt, and Avery, A-V-E-R-Y. It's a Norton book, $65, Norton Publishers, the Norton Anthology of Children's Literature. Uh, starts way back in 1658 has an illustrated encyclopedia and grammar from 1658. Comes all the way up to now. Um, let's see, we have a tour of three and a half centuries in this colossal volume. Uh, <laughs> the New Yorker says, occasionally the scholarly tone conflicts with the fanciful subject matter. <laughs> they say that a very hungry caterpillar is a rudimentary game book whose very bright colors are characteristic of the period, my, my. I, of course, am in love with the Victorian period, uh, but the coverage here is impressive. We got single illustrations to entire works. Um, there are 19 thematic sections, including comics, books of instruction, verse. There are the canonical stories, the ones that I love the most, um, Oscar Wilde's The Happy Prince, uh, the entire play of Peter Pan, um, and obscure versions of fairy tales in 19th century British chapbooks. Uh, the visual art fascinates me. I have so many books, um, other books actually, on the, uh, the great illustrators of the 19th century. Arthur Rackham is my favorite, uh, and what is it? Kay or Kate Greenaway is one of my favorites. They make much of her in this book. Uh, anyway, this is a nostalgic item for teachers and for parents. But basically what you want to do is get this book and go through it and find the the treasures, you know, that you may have missed. Let me give you just a little bit of a list before I 
dig into the uh, the uh, specifics. Yes, for breast reading, you have all of the verses and fairy tales and the uh, the real mother goose. That's essential, of course. But let's see, we have things. Uh, Robert Browning's The Pied Piper of Hamblin. I grew up on that. We have all the old legends and stories, Robin Hood, uh, oh, John Henry, right. The story of John Henry and David Crock, Davy Crockett. John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, uh, Pocahontas. Oh, right. And Isaac Bashevis Singer has, uh, a wonderful story. Yes. Hanukkah in the Poor House. That's the representation from Isaac Singer. Then we have L. Frank Baum, that's the Wizard of Oz. I want to read you some some bits of an essay about uh, L. Frank Baum by Gore Vidal. It's a wonderful essay, Rethinking the Wizard of Oz. And then we have H.G. Wells. And then we have, uh, you know, swinging around. We have all these wonderful books like one of my, my uh, memory gems from childhood is called Millions of Cats by Wanda Gag. Then we have my absolute number one favorite, The Story of Ferdinand the Bull by Monroe Leaf. <laughs> yes. Uh, I was thinking the other day that we would read the story of Ferdinand again, but my producer on the morning show is getting tired of it. I, I tell you, I always have to read Ferdinand at least once a year. It's the story about the little pacifist bull who wouldn't fight. Hitler burned it, and, uh, you know, there was a great deal of fuss about Ferdinand way back in the 1930s. Uh, yes, a peace-loving bull in a stormy world, says Publishers Weekly. Uh, what I loved is that uh, it knocked Gone with the Wind off the top of the bestseller list in 1938. Yes, let me tell you a little bit about uh, Ferdinand. Yes, there's a birthday celebration here in uh, Publishers Weekly. It's written by um, the widow of Monroe Leaf. Her name was Margaret Monroe. She writes that um, uh, she writes Monroe and I were living in one room on 60th Street in New York City in 1935. We were working our way out of the depression. Monroe was an editor and director at F.A. Stokes Company. I was manager of the children's department at Brentano's. Monroe had written and Stokes had published Grammar Can Be Fun in 1934. And she goes on to talk about, I love those books, Manners Can Be Fun. Right, I read those. Anyway, uh, we had become friends with Robert and Marie Lawson. Now, uh, Lawson is the guy who wrote the picture, who drew the pictures for Ferdinand. I just love the pictures, and I was heartbroken when, after the copyright ran out, uh, Walt Disney came along and ruined um, Ferdinand by... He, he did another book called Ferdinand and the Bullies, and he put little Walt Disney characters in instead of the original drawings. And actually, the book was all about how to fight with the bullies and come out on top, you know, the, the heroic master narrative. He, he killed the old story about Ferdinand sitting in the middle of the the uh, bull ring and not fighting and then just going home to smell the flowers under the cork tree. Um, 
yes, we had to go back to the master narrative of uh, heroics and winning and losing. Uh, anyway, let me uh, read you some more of this bit from Margaret Monroe, the wife of the uh, author of Ferdinand. She says, one day I was trying to read a manuscript and Monroe persisted, Monroe persisted in talking to me. Finally, I told him to go away and amuse himself. Less than 40 minutes later, he handed me six pages of yellow legal pad paper. It was the story of Ferdinand. Monroe wanted to write about an animal, and he decided that stories about bulls weren't common. Since the story was set in Spain, Monroe named the bull after King Ferdinand. It was the only Spanish name he could think of. <laughs> anyway, she goes on to de describe the ways in which they uh, they got the illustrations going and... Uh, Yes, uh, how the book was, yes, the innocent bull in the book was branded a communist and an anarchist. That was after the start of the Spanish Civil War. There was a special burning in Germany where the book was labeled Degenerate Democratic Propaganda. Articles about Ferdinand uh, appeared in the New Yorker in Life and Look. Uh, the author was attacked in the Cleveland Plain Dealer for subverting the children of America. <laughs> anyway, this goes on and on. It's great fun. Um, within several years, there were 60 translations, and there was, uh, you know, all of the usual uh, jewelry, dress material, games, and toys. Uh, worldwide, more than uh, 2.4 million copies have been sold to date, the date on this piece is 1986, so that's 20 years ago this was written. So, doubtless. Doubtless were up to 3 million copies. Anyway, she goes on to write about the next generation. Uh, the book was finally printed, uh, published in 1978 in Spain. Um, right, yes. A uh, remarkable event. A reviewer in Madrid said that Ferdinand should have won a Nobel Prize. <laughs> anyway, uh, the author's wife goes on to talk about uh, uh, a birthday party for Ferdinand. And she says, one small boy raised his hand and asked why Ferdinand sat and just smelled the flowers when everyone wanted him to fight. I told him that I believe there is a message in the book that Ferdinand has the courage to refuse to do what he knows is wrong for him. Now, Monroe always maintained that he meant no message, only to entertain. <laughs> but I have a photo of Monroe as a small boy lying down in front of a family group, and he is smelling a flower. I remember my mother said that all those corks were about wine. Yes, it was about having a little drink. Anyway, today I have for you this book, this wonderful book, um, this anthology, this Norton Anthology of Children's Literature, in which Ferdinand is only a page or two. Uh, we have Oscar Wilde's The Happy Prince. Let's see what else we have. I want you to phone in, people, and get this for $75. For a mere $75 subscription, you can get this $65 book. Now, that's an incredible bargain, people. If you're a mother or a parent or a, a teacher, I want you to call 1-800-HEY-KPFA. That's 
5732. Hi, Jennifer. This is Amelia here. It's amazing. This anthology, I've never seen so many. There's I even, know. Yeah, Louisa May Alcott, Mary Wollstonecraft from 1759. She wrote something called Original Stories from Real Life. That's the first great British feminist. Uh, there's Lucille Clifton, still with us, born 1936. Uh, she has poems in here. We have, uh, oh gosh, uh, the great Beatrix Potter. There will be some films on Beatrix Potter coming on television. You remember all the Peter Rabbit books. And then you remember Babar, that little elephant, and Maurice Sendak's Where the Wild Things Are, and uh, Ezra John Keats' The Snowy Day. This is These books are for preschool children, for children who are not even reading yet, all the way up through uh, teenagers. Uh, Louisa May Alcott, right. Well, you know, Jennifer, something that I found out is that it actually, the range of material that this anthology uh, covers is a span of 350 years, right. which is wonderful. It's a beautiful book. It's yours for the asking if you call now, 1-800-439-5732, or locally you can call 848-5732. We have three callers on the phone. Thank you so much for pledging your support. We've got a fourth. Thank you so much. Again, we are only able to offer you 10 copies for this wonderful, wonderful price. As uh, Jennifer said, this is a, a book that's a very, very uh, expensive book if you would go to the bookstore and get it. But here you get it for $75 and you have the satisfaction of knowing that you've done your part to keep cover to cover alive here at KPFA. one 800 Four three nine five seven three two eight four eight five seven three two. Jennifer, we've got like six people on the line. Good. It's wonderful. Everything I'm we that need. Yeah, everything exactly. we need for breast reading, folks. Yes, all the nursery rhymes and the lullabies and the songs and would you believe Marvel comics? <laughs> <laughs> They're all the way up to the comics, which I'm told now are serious. Uh, Christina Rossetti. Oh, Christina, born on my birthday. I worship Christina Rossetti. I was not aware. That she wrote children's poetry, The Child's Garden of Verses, of course, and, oh, of course, um, Alice in Wonderland. Uh, uh, naturally, we have Alice in Wonderland. Twinkle, twinkle, little bat, how I wonder where you're at. <laughs> <laughs> Up above the world so high like a tea tray in the sky. I remember doing Alice in Wonderland, Lewis Carroll's um, story. I played the White Knight. I was wonderful. I had the Gary Cooper part. I played the White Knight in Alice in Wonderland. Uh, everything is in here, folks. Uh, the Brothers Grimm, Hans Andersen, of course. Uh, my favorite that I meant to read today and didn't have time, Oscar Wilde's The Happy Prince. Uh, old James Thurber and Maurice Sendak and Rudyard Kipling. And, oh my goodness, uh, a lot of twisted tales, too. Nutty stuff, Greek myths. Nathaniel Hawthorne stories, wow. Edward Lear, uh, Lewis Carroll, right, Dr. Seuss. Uh, Green Eggs and Ham, naturally, that would be the entry for him. Uh, Alfred Noyes, The High Women. Oh, yes, I memorized that in the eighth grade. <laughs> no, this stuff, this stuff just does not stop people. I think you need this. Now, you may want to get single copies of these books for your children to read because, of course, the Norton Anthology, you know, they, they put so much between two covers and it's basically your reference book for teachers and for moms, you know, and then you can get 
individual copies of each story, like the Wizard of Oz books are fabulous. I meant to read you today some of Gore Vidal's essays on the Oz books. I hadn't realized that the Oz books work on about 17 levels here. (laughs) They were also progressive books, right? Everything, yes, in here is just amazing. The Ferdinand, the Ferdinand, yes, that's the total, the whole book. Uh, What they've done is mostly they've given you a taste of all the best writers and then put in half a dozen, uh, well, no, more than that, the A.A. Milne's Winnie the Pooh books. Uh, Somebody told me the other day that those were out of date. I don't think so, and I'm very upset. The Walt Disney's got his hands on Winnie the Pooh, and guess what he's done? He's turned it into a girl. Now, I think you should write a new book. We should write a new book for a girl because Christopher Robin is this doofus, goofus little boy. And I think he should remain a little boy. He's 80 years old now. That's why the copyright has run out. And Walt Disney, once he gets his hands on all these old stories, gosh knows what's left. But the thing is, the books are still on the shelf if we buy them. What is our phone number here again? One. It's 1-800-KP. That's right. You know it, Jennifer. 439-5732. I got it wrong once. 1-800-439-5732. We've got 10 copies. And for a $75 membership, you get a $65 book. Now, that's the best, that's the best bargain I ever put together, folks. You've got to come through with that one. After all, you know, KPFA is the place where we can hear ourselves think. It's where we can, uh, what's the word, uh, where we can uh, make the world safe for satire. Uh, <laughs> yes, I keep saying yes. However, Afrocentric, Euro or gyno or phallocentric we may be, we won't get far without any money. We've got to have some Money, KPFA is my personal classroom. Uh, I, I think I should get a, I think I should get a, a PhD in KPFA after 22 years here grappling with the politically correct ethos of my age, you know, trying to fight these one idea folks, uh, you know, the one dimensional people who happen to be in power right now. Uh, anyway, multiculturalism means more scholarship. As I said to somebody the other day, they were fighting over which book to use in school. And I said, couldn't we read more than one book? I don't think it's that hard, you know. Well, Jennifer, I really want to thank all the listeners that have been calling in for the book. Unfortunately, we are all out. That book is gone. Yeah, thank you so much for calling in. You can still call in and pledge your support for KPFA. You could go to the website and pick some other goodies that we have there as a thank you gift. You could still call in. You know, these these wonderful gifts that we get together for you are just that. They're thank you gifts. But the real premium is having KPFA here, having Jennifer Stone on here every Tuesday. T-shirts, that's right. You know, I love them. I just love them. (laughs) No. It's like wearing a sign on yourself. As I was saying, I have this button I put on now that this new guy's on the Supreme Court. It's uh, my button says, right? You know, if you don't believe in abortion, don't have one. Try to explain to people, you know, what freedom means. It's so confusing. I was trying to, uh, earlier today, I was trying to read what we had to do in the 70s to get this thing going. And now, 
Looks like we're back to square one. We have to go all the way back and start all over again. Yes. You know how it is, folks. Uh, it's like, what is it? It's a Sisyphus task. I always think that things are over and done with, but I am wrong. We have to get back to the uh, drawing board and start all over again. Uh, you know how it is. You have to become a member of KPFA, and then you have to come down and answer the phones. And <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of like woman's work, doing the dishes every day, <laughs> making the beds over and over again. Okay. It's it, participating in uh, making a community richer, which is what we're trying to do today in, uh, well, richer, no pun intended. <laughs> right. We're publicists for the revolution here. The revolution of touch is the best one. That's right. And the best touch, of course, is to touch your children, to read to them, to turn them into... Uh, literary types, yes, I'm always yammering about how aesthetics is the mother of ethics. Doesn't seem to me that's so hard. You know, you've got to tenderize these kids. You've got to give them the right stories. If they grow up with stories that are nothing but win and lose, you know, uh, life or death, all of this violence they grow up with. Never mind. We're going to tenderize them. I thank you again for uh, all your help for KPFA. I'll be back on the air Thursday, no, no, not Thursday, next Tuesday at this same time. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light.